So growing up, my mom had this saying that we would say to people when they came into our house, and that was the first time you're a guest, second time you're family. It's kind of like the Olive Garden when you're here, but you're family, except for we kind of gave it like one visit, you're a guest, but second time when you're here, you're family. So it's kind of the same thing, but it's a little bit different. And so my mom, she was like the most welcoming person ever. Like, I, I, I kid you not, multiple times, like I can remember in my life, multiple times where just like random people would be staying at my house. Like one point there was literally a homeless guy that like she just like found and he needed a place to stay and all of a sudden he's staying at my house. And another time this random guy from like the church we grew up with, he didn't have a place to live and he was kind of a sketchy dude. He had weird teeth and he smelled a little weird, but he was kind of a nice guy. And all of a sudden he's at my house and he's staying and he's staying. And then we can't get, like, I don't know. It was, she's a really nice lady. And she was always, like, up for somebody to come over. And she was kind of, like, the party. Like, she loved parties. She loved not, not that kind of party, right? But she just loved to have people over. And she loved to, like, feed everybody. And also, like, our house growing up was, like, the house that all my friends wanted to go to. Like, I don't remember going and staying at another friend's house all that often or hanging out at, at somebody else's house because my house was kind of where it was at. And it wasn't like we had a pool or a trampoline. I never really had the best video games. But my house just felt like good. It felt like home. And so all my friends growing up, they'd call my mom, mom. Like mom, that was, that was who she was to every single one of my friends. They would call her mom. They came over. They knew that they could walk right into our door. They didn't have to knock. They didn't have to ring the doorbell. They didn't have to like let us know they were coming. If they showed up, it was like all was good, right? And they knew that they could go get into the fridge, get what they wanted, go into the pantry, get what you want. You want a drink? Get, like, get a drink. Not that kind of drink, but you know, like a soda drink. I feel like I have to clarify so many things in the world today now. Anyway... Our house was just that house, right? And it, it's just one of those things where my, my, my home felt like home to so many of my friends and so many people in our lives because my mom wanted that place to feel like a very welcoming place. Now, when she says the first time you're a guest and the second time you're family, what does that mean? The first time they're a guest, that means if they want a drink, I, I have to go get them a drink. But more importantly, I have to show them where the drinks are so the next time I don't have to go get it for them, right? Or the next time, the first time we're going to be like, do you want anything to eat? And offer to like go and get them something or cook them something. But once you've gone ahead of that first experience, right, as a guest, the whole family idea meant you go get it your dang old self, okay? You want to drink, you get your lazy butt up and you go get it yourself. That was like my mom's sort of like theme about it. And so we're talking about this and this here, this building is a house. And it's kind of not, doesn't look like a house. I get it, right? And then it's like, it's kind of this weird gym, gym, school gym slash carnival rec center hybrid thing, right? Where we've got all sorts of stuff going on here. A lot of cool stuff. Ping pong up there, switches over there, spider jump over there, foam pit over there, basketball courts over there, nice square over there, volleyball. Over there. And it's kind of got all this stuff going on. But the truth is that 4640 is a house. And it's not just anybody's house. This is God's house. It is God's sanctuary. But remember, okay, that if this is God's house, when you've asked Jesus into your heart, when you've decided you're going to live the, the Christian life and, and follow him and, and be a disciple of Jesus, be a follower of Christ, that means that his house is your house as well. That means that what he has, you have. 
See, like when you're, when you're inviting over a friend, like let's say you want a friend to come over to your house, right? And, and obviously your parents, they own the house, right? They, they pay the mortgage, they pay the rent, I guess. Uh, you know, one of those two, they're kind of in charge of it. They're the one that pay the bills, to, keep, to, to do all of those things. But when you invite your friend over to your house, you don't go to them and be like, hey, do you want to come over to my parents' house? And, and, and hang out with me. You don't say that, right? You don't say, do you want to come over to my mother and father's house and enjoy some time together? You don't say that. You say, hey, come over to my house. Let's hang out. Let's chill. Look, you say, come over to my house. Is it your house? No. And your parents love to remind you of that every once in a while, right? That it's not your house. As soon as you say, like, I'm not taking out the trash or I'm not doing those dishes, all of a sudden, real quick, you learn whose house it is. But when you're inviting a friend over or something like that, it's come on over to my house. You feel like it is yours in a way. And when you're a part of a family, your family, it means it's your house. And when you're a part of God's family, that means this, this is your house. And when it's your house, that means a few things. One thing it means is we want you to be comfortable. This is your house too, so that means you should be comfortable and this should feel like a safe place and all those things. But the other thing is, is when it's your house, you don't necessarily get to do whatever you want, and sometimes there's some chores from time to time. And since we're all family, we just want you to know you're welcome here. We're glad that you're here. Unless it's your first time, thanks for being here. Welcome, welcome to our house. We hope that you keep coming back. We're so happy that you're here. And like Joe said, being part of a house, being part of a family, we have some responsibilities. So tonight we're going to talk about two practical ways that we can serve God by serving in his house, in our house. There's many ways, but we're just going to talk about two tonight. So have you guys ever gone to someone's house and felt a little actually uninvited or unwelcome, or, or maybe it wasn't a house, maybe you went to like a party or like a wedding or like a, I don't know, graduation or somewhere, and you just were like, I don't know that I'm actually welcome here. Like it kind of felt, maybe they felt like obligated to invite you and it was really obvious. It was like your parents' friends or something and no one even like really acknowledged. It kind of is uncomfortable, right? It's not, it's not very comfy feeling. And it kind of reminds me of how I felt on many days of my life. I moved around a ton growing up. And so I had many first days as the new girl in school. And that is a little uncomfortable. It's, it's one of those things where like you walked in and it felt like everyone was staring at you. And at the same time, no one even noticed you were there. There's like this weird tension, right? Where it's like, oh my gosh, everyone's looking at me. And also, does anyone see that I'm here? You know that feeling? And it's kind of like, you don't know where to go or what to do. And you're like, what do I do with my hands? And it's weird and you feel awkward. And it's kind of like an uncomfortable, lonely feeling, right? But I wonder, how many people have walked in to our house into 4640 and felt a little uncomfortable or maybe a little unwelcome or unwanted? And that's kind of like yucky to, to say um, because it, it's like, man, we're all kind of responsible for, for making people feel welcome. And, and, and I know that I'm guilty of that. I'm sure that maybe there's one or two of you in here, maybe more, um, that you've walked in and you felt unwelcome or unseen. And, and to that, we say, we're so sorry. Um, we're sorry that, that you ever felt that way. Please forgive us. Um, we are human when we make mistakes, but that is not what we want here. We want 
everyone who walks through those doors to feel welcome and wanted here. And that is not just the responsibility of Blue Team and then pastors. It's actually your responsibility too, because this is your house. So as, as you welcome in people, you're saying, this is my house. Welcome to it. We're glad that you're here. And so for me, on, on those days that I, I would walk into school for the first time, not knowing anyone, do you know the people that I remember? They're the ones that welcomed me. They're the ones that invited me to, to sit with them. I remember I switched schools um, freshman year, which was rough, um, going into a brand new school. And I, this was many, many, many moons ago um, that I was in ninth grade, but um, that's you know, besides the point, but I, re I remember a girl named Alex and she was so friendly and she was so bubbly and I went into my first class and, and she noticed that I was kind of like, I don't know what to do. And she's like, hey, you can come sit by me. It's like, oh my gosh, just somebody talk to me. Like, you don't have to talk to me again, but like, if I can pretend that I'm with you, that's, that's cool with me, right? Okay. And then she invited me to sit with her at lunch and I was like, oh my gosh, thank you. Like, again, you don't even have to talk to me. Just pretend that you know me and I'll just sit here. I'll be quiet. I won't bother you. But, but I remember her. Like, I remember the person that welcomed me, that invited me, that said, hey, can, you, you can sit with me. And, and do you know what is one of the greatest, like, yearnings and desires of every single human? It's to belong. It's to feel welcomed. That is something that God has put in every single one of us, is to feel like we are included. And that means at church. And I think sometimes we assume that people just know they're welcome here, but they don't. We have to be the ones to welcome them in and say, we are glad that you're here. We have to be the ones that show them that. And so tonight we have to recognize it's absolutely our job and our responsibility to serve the people that come into this building by being welcoming to them. We have a role in God's family. It's not something we do, it's who we are. We serve in this house. And First Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them to serve one another. So God has given you a gift. He has given you something and he wants you to serve one another with it. And one way we do that is, is by taking ownership of God's house by being welcoming to those people that he has given us. Because that's our goal, right? As Christ followers, we want as many other people in this world to come into his house and, and do this walk of life with us. That is the goal, to go and make disciples of all nations. We go and we welcome people into our house so that it can become their house so that they can welcome more people into our house, the house of God. And, and Galatians 5.13b, it says, constantly love each other and be committed to serve one another. See, there's this direct correlation between serving and loving one another. They go hand in hand. So we are showing the love of God by serving one another. Serving is love. And I think it's really simple to just ask a couple questions of people. Sometimes it might make you feel a little uncomfortable, but how simple is it to be like, hey, I'm glad you're here tonight. That's really nice, right? Hey, do you need anything? Do you know where the drinks are? I can go grab you one if you need something. Hey, do you have anyone to sit with you tonight? If not, you can come sit with us. We have plenty of space by us. Like, that's so kind and welcoming, and, and sometimes we need that, right? It's so, it's so uncomfortable to walk into a building and literally know no one and be like, 
What do I do here? But for someone to be like, hey, you can come sit with us, that just makes you feel so at home and so welcome. It goes so far to ask those little things, say those little things, but serving takes action. We have to take initiative. We have to take that step. And I recognize that it's not easy. It can be uncomfortable. Sometimes we have to, there's some self-sacrificing in that. And, and unfortunately, friends, God's not really concerned about our comfort He's not really concerned about how comfortable are you. Um, He's concerned about if we're serving him well and if we're following in his ways. And and if we think about it, do you think Jesus was really comfortable when he went to the cross? Mm Mm-mm. I don't, I don't think he was super comfortable when he was carrying a big heavy cross for you and for I, but he did it because he loves us so much and he was showing us this is how we serve. We take up our cross and we follow Jesus. And, and, and it's this kind of like we have to get outside of ourselves and see that there are other people around that are hurting, that need him, and it's our job to welcome them in. And what's really cool is he is calling us to serve, but what's awesome is he's giving us the power to do it. I love, this is one of my very favorite verses. It's Philippians 2.13. It says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So those times when it's really uncomfy to be like, I don't know that person, they're new here, but I'm going I'm to say, hey, do you want to sit with us? Even if you don't know, God is helping you. He's giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And I know those aren't always the easiest ways, but they are the best ways. So I wanted to look at the life of the most greatest servant leader in all of history, right? Jesus. One of his greatest qualities is servanthood. And I think um, if we can really recognize that the king, like king of kings, King Jesus came to serve us, we can do the same. Jesus wants us to serve the way that he served. And I think, man, if Jesus can get down and wash some dirty, nasty old feet, back in the old days, they were really dirty because they didn't really have shoes. They had like sandals and they walked in the dirt. So those feet were nasty, right? If he can wash feet, so can I, and so can you. And I think when we serve him, it's just one simple way, one simple response for us to show him our love back to him even when it's not the most fun. And this brings me to my next point, which is when we serve in his house, we, we have to take care of what he has given us. So I don't know if you guys noticed this building that you're sitting in, but it's pretty spectacular, right? I've never seen a building quite like this one. And there's a lot that goes into taking care of, of this ginormous building, right? And, and I, kind of, I kind of like to think of it like this. We, we take care of his people. We take care of what he's given us. But this is how I look at it. It says in the Bible in Luke 16, 10, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So when, when you pick up a piece of trash, when you clean up the spill, when you sweep up the crumbs, when you um, hold the door open for somebody, when you um, clean off the couch, when you get a broom. When when you are doing those what might feel like unimportant things, God sees that. He he sees like you're you're serving in a way that might not be like this glorified serving like like you might think you know, getting up here and speaking or singing or playing in the band or or running tech like you're just cleaning up trash. 
God sees you in those little tiny things. And when God can trust us with taking care of his house, with taking care of, with stewarding those little things, he can trust us with even more. So it might seem insignificant to you, but God sees it. God sees every, everything that you do. And so if he can, if he can trust us to serve in, in these small ways, he's going to be able to trust us to serve in really big ways. And I think, like I've, I've talked to many of you, and, and I know that there's so many of you that have these big dreams that God's put on your heart. Some of you in here want to be a pastor, or you want to, you want to lead worship one day, or you want to be a doctor, or a vet, or a teacher, and, and you want to serve the world in this way. Guess what? It doesn't start in that position, you start so small, right? It, it, you, you start with little things, doing little things. Um, and a lot of times it's not glamorous. And most of the time there's not pay when you start. And, and there's not any recognition most of the time. Um, but we can't serve for those reasons. When we serve, we serve out of this response back to Jesus because he loved us so well and served us so well. But, but think of it like this. like Think of a doctor. Think of anyone in the middle, medical field, right? Do you think they just like apply for a job and all of a sudden they're a brain surgeon? No, it starts in like ninth grade when they start taking biology and then they start to take harder classes that I don't even know because I didn't take hard science classes in high school. Um, and then you have to like, you know, get a good score on your ACT and get into a good college. And then you start doing like your clinicals and, and, and on the job training and you start wiping old people's butt. You just do, it starts little, it starts dirty. It starts, you know, with really small things. That's, that's how it kind of starts. But you, you, if you can be like steward those little things, if you can be faithful in those little things, God's going to be able to trust you with bigger and bigger things. And, and I even look at like some of the pastors on staff. I, I look at Pastor JL and she gets to pastor thousands of people. Do you think she just like randomly got here one day? No, she started serving on mission trips in Mexico and feeding orphans. Or, or Pastor Joe, he gets to lead us in worship, and it's this really cool thing, and he's really good at the guitar, but do you think it was just like one day he got the job, it was just all of a sudden? No, Joe served with no pay. He was an intern for many years. He practiced the guitar day in and day out. He served, and he served when, when no one else saw, like he was, he was working. And, and I think of Pastor Madeline and when I got to be staff here, she was like 11 years old and she was teaching the four-year-old's classroom. And you know, she was doing it like a boss because that's who she is, but she was teaching four-year-olds. She didn't start by teaching this entire student center. We start in the small things. When I started, I was cooking pulled pork and I was washing dishes. That's that, and I'm not saying any of that to like, like draw attention to us. I'm saying, if you can be faithful in the small things, God will be able to trust you with more and more. And, and, and the question is, are we willing to serve the way that God served? And even if it feels like dirty, like washing someone's feet, which I don't know that we'd really do that in that day, but you know what I mean? Something like that, where it's like, what are we doing to serve our Savior? And, and I think sometimes we can get a little like twisted in our minds and begin to feel like, oh, we're obligated to serve. But, but really, it's a response to get to serve because he served us. Like we get to thank Jesus by serving him because he loved us. And he's asking us to serve with grateful hearts. And there's reward in serving. Like that, like that video said, there's blessings when we serve. And we don't serve to get the blessings. But there is reward in serving. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 3.13, 
For those who serve in this way will obtain an honorable reputation for themselves and a greater right to speak boldly in the faith that comes from Jesus Christ. That's an incredible reward. When we choose to serve Jesus, we will obtain an honorable reputation and we get to speak up for Jesus, for the faith of Jesus. We get to speak to those who are lost and hurting. I think we could all use a little bit more of that, right? And this is just one of the many blessings, one of the many rewards. I also know when serving, there's so much joy that the Lord gives you. I don't understand it. I don't understand how like when we sacrifice something and it feels like maybe hard, like the Lord actually fills us up and gives us joy and he blesses us through that. He renews our strength. He fills us up. There is such great reward and blessing in serving our God. When we begin to serve in love by welcoming kids, God's kids, into our house and taking care of the house, it quickly becomes not just our house, but also our home. So a house, if when it's your house, you realize, I, I can't just like, I can't trash the place. There's, I've, got to, I've got to take care of it. And I've got to do some, some things where I, I'm serving in the house. But also that there's also benefits to this place. And there's a difference between like being living in a house and, and having a home. And I talked a little bit about this uh, at the, the lock-in we did last weekend, which was a ton of fun. Uh, and, and I just mentioned this a little bit, but I want to talk a little bit about what my experience was in high school uh, and how like 4640, which was vertigo back then, and honestly all of Fellowship Church really like shaped me as a young person in, in this way like we're talking about. Uh, the truth is like I... Was, I had a great family when I grew up, and I was really proud of my family and a great childhood. I was, a, I was the youngest of three. I have an older brother and an older sister, and uh, we had a dog named Freckles. And so we had this family, and I was really proud of my family. And back then, there was like the statistic that gets thrown around that like 50% of marriages end in divorce. And I was like, yeah, not my family. Uh-uh. We're a rock solid and then, then my parents got a divorce. Uh, but so, it, it, you know, it kind of shattered me, you know, to my core a little bit, which isn't that funny back then, but I can laugh about it now. Uh, but we were perfect, right? Like all of a sudden this kind of broke apart. And now all of a sudden my dad, you know, they, they split and my dad goes and moves into his own house. And so it's like, ooh, I have two houses and two beds and, you know, and two rooms and all of this stuff. And it's like, yeah, but I, I gained another house, but I feel like I lost a home. Now all of a sudden where I had, you know, one home, like one house, but also it felt like home. Now all of a sudden, neither place really felt like home. And, and I didn't know what to do anymore because I didn't have that. And I felt like this empty void in me where I just didn't feel like I had like a safe state, like safe place to go. I didn't have a place where I could just like be me anymore because of what, what had happened with my family. And then I started coming to, to Fellowship Church here, and I started coming to Vertigo. And I made this place my home. And I wanted to be clear, I, I didn't wait for someone else to make this place home for me. Like, I made it home for me. I was here every single chance I could get. I, I wanted to be here because this place was, could, could, I realized it could be home for me. I was here for band practices and I played bass terribly, but I, but I was here and I was here every week for band practice and, and I came on Tuesday nights for high school service and I played in the band. I came in on Wednesday nights and I played in the band. And then I came on Sundays because I really wanted to go to the adult service and, and, I, and I sat in the adult services and I, and I worshiped with them and I learned from them and I, and I was here 
all the time. My extracurriculars in high school was here. This was my extracurricular, was, was, was this youth ministry. And see, I had no, I, no blood relatives here. It wasn't like I had family here that, that was related to me, but I had family here. I had people who cared for me. I had people who encouraged me. I had people who, who loved me so much, and, 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 and I knew they loved me. I had people who supported me. People who would call me out on the, on the junk when I decided, you know, to go to a dance with a girl instead of going to our youth retreats and stuff like that. I, I had people who called me out on my junk, and I had people who guided me, and I had people who mentored me, and, and people here were the people who got me through some of the most difficult moments in my young adult life, young life and young adult life, and, and it became home. This place was home more than any house I lived in during that time. And when I didn't come, like when I missed a Tuesday night or, or you know, or something happened, it, it wasn't like I, I felt homesick. Like, like my dad one time, because I, I ignored him and didn't do a chore, told me I couldn't come to 4640, or Vertigo, sorry, it's Vertigo back then, I don't know, you get it, okay, to, to couldn't come to come here for a Wednesday night. I was like shattered. It was the worst thing he could have done, done to me, and I, and I was upset about it because this was home. And... I knew what to expect here. I knew that this place was going to be stable for me. I knew that this place was going to be consistent. That when I came here, I was at, the people were going to be the same way. They were going to love me. They were going to care for me. I knew that this place was safe. And places outside of this, when I was younger, didn't feel that way. It didn't feel safe, stable, and consistent. My home life was not that. I didn't know who was going to be at my mom's house. I didn't, they, you know, they were both starting new relationships. And now there's random guys or random, random girls now that I, that, that I didn't grow up with trying to like, like, like my mom's starting to date now or, or my brother's living here and now he's not living here and, and now he's living here with his girlfriend. I don't know. It just, it felt very unsettled. And so this place, this was home. And maybe you're, you're in the same boat right now as me, like, Home life is a mess, and, and maybe it's not because of divorces or anything, but maybe it just doesn't feel quite like that safe place that you want it to be. Let 4640 be that. No matter, no matter where you are in your life, you're welcome here. This can be your home. I want to tell you guys a, a quick story from the Bible really fast, a uh, story of this, this man named Mephibosheth, and kind of a funny name, but he was King Saul, who was the king of Israel, uh, had a son named Jonathan. Jonathan was best friends with David, who became King David later on. And Jonathan's son was Mephibosheth, okay? And King Saul, you know, it was, there's a ton of drama with King, like him and David. King Saul was very jealous of David because David was going to be the next king. And so he multiple times tried to kill, uh, kill David. But Jonathan, his younger son, was very loyal to David as a good friend. And, and never, like, betrayed David at all and was, very, was, was a very, very good friend. Uh, and so at, at the time of King Saul and Jonathan's death, uh, his, like, Mephibosheth's nanny, when he was a baby, like, panicked. Because usually when there was some sort of, like, uh, change of rulers, it was sort of like that uh, the next ruler, unless it was, like, family, would generally, like, wipe out the family of the previous ruler to make sure that that person didn't try and, like, get the throne right? And so the nanny freaks out and she runs away with Mephibosheth. And as she's running away, she trips and falls and she drops Mephibosheth as a baby. And it ends up like breaking both of his feet and he becomes a cripple. Fast forward quite a few years after all of this, David has like 
firmly established his reign. He is the king of Israel now. King Saul and Jonathan are long gone. And King David asks, is there anyone still alive from King Saul's family or from Jonathan's family, my friend? And so they let him know that there is this young man named Mephibosheth who is still alive, who was Jonathan's son. So King David goes, I would like to show some of Jonathan's relatives kindness. Will you bring him to me? Now, you got to understand, Mephibosheth, probably very scared at this point, okay? He knows, like, the whole deal with King Saul and the drama and all of this stuff. So he's probably very frightened. So he runs, as he goes into King Saul's throne room, he bows down before King Saul, you know, or King David, and he's very, like, scared at this moment. And this is what King David replied in 2 Samuel 9, 7. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show you kindness to you because my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather Saul, which as the king of Israel was a substantial amount of land. Okay, this is not a small gift. This is a huge amount. And you will eat here with me at the king's table. Now, not just any, and and, and the, like the understanding of this verse is eat at the king's table, like every night on a regular basis. It's not just like you're welcome anytime. It was like, you're going to eat with me. And that kind of, signified something more than just welcome anytime you want to come. It it kind of became this, you are welcome here and you are part of my family now. If you have a seat at my table, you are welcome here. And the thing about Mephibosheth is he was indeed a cripple and he couldn't really offer King David anything. He didn't literally bring anything to the table, if you know what I'm saying, right? In this situation, but he still had a seat at the table and King David showed a great kindness to him. God wants to do the same thing. God has a seat at his table for you. When you, he wants to invite you in, he wants to welcome you here into this place. And no matter what you've done, no matter, no matter any of those things, no matter what you might think is crippling you, whether that's the fear and the anxiety, your mental health, maybe that's bitterness, maybe that's past hurts and past experiences, maybe, maybe hurts even in church or things like that, and, you're, and you want to have a seat, you want this a place to feel home, but you have these hang-ups, and God's saying, no, 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 you have a seat at my table. It doesn't matter what you can bring. Yes, I want you to make this, take ownership of this house. Yes, I want you to feel like this is a place that you care about, and I want you to serve, and I want you to do those things here, but most importantly, you need to understand that this is your home, and that you are welcome here in this place, no matter what, because you're his kid. And when you have a seat at his table, that means you have perks. And when you are a follower of Christ, that means you're his kid, and that means this is your house, and this isn't just a house, this then now becomes your home. So make 4640 your home. Don't wait for one of us to make it your home. Make it your home. Do that by, by serving, by taking ownership of this place, by making sure you're here every week and, and don't make it feel like it's just sort of an option in like the array of your life of what, what could I do on a Tuesday night. Make it a point that you come every Tuesday night. Start coming on Sunday, Sundays if you don't and, and start to grow into this, especially those of you who are getting into being upperclassmen. This is not so, like you're supposed to grow and all of a sudden become a part of like the church family as a whole, not just of 4640, and start to come on a Sunday night. So help, helping the, and then we, we take ownership of this place, we start to help the newcomers 
feel like honored guests. And then when they come back, we feel, feel, help those newcomers and honored guests feel like family in this place. And that's what we can do here when we become followers of Christ and we take this place, this house, and make it our home. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. And we thank you for this home. We thank you for this place. We pray, Lord, that you would just, I pray for each student in this place, God, that this place would feel safe, that this place would feel like a comfortable place, a safe place for them to come, God, a stable place for them to come, God. I pray, Lord, as, as, they, as they really try and, and bring, takes responsibility and begin to serve in this house, God, that they would feel more and more like they, it is their house, God. Not just a place they visit, not just a cool room that they come into, not just a, a thing where they come and, and they come and go, but God, it, that this would be home, Father God. And I pray, Lord, that you would just be with us and you would continue to unite us and help us to be under the same roof in our hearts, God, in our minds, in our desires, and in our life, that our our roof would be the house of God, God, and that we would go and do life together as a family in this home. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening at 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.